Welcome back to the Crow's Nest podcast from the UW Bothell Counseling Center. My name is Randy Scott, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor and your host. This week, I got to sit down with a couple of my colleagues from the Counseling Center to talk about three of the most common reasons students come to see us, depression, anxiety, and stress. Jessica Vu is a counseling intern, and Teresa Hoffman is a mental health clinician. Here's our conversation. So since we're using this as an opportunity to kind of get to know the staff of the Counseling Center, we're going to start by just asking you each a little bit how you got into this kind of work. So Teresa, I'm going to start with you. What drew you to mental health? I know you had kind of a a different path to get here. Yes, I was initially an engineer, uh, mathematics, computer engineering, Um, and then I realized I was more interested in how my coworkers uh, approach the problem than actually like creating the software and, and the actual end product. More interested in the process. And then, yeah, one thing kind of, you know, went from another and I took some continued education classes, found myself in psychology, and then all of a sudden in grad school. Um, and really, you know, the draw into mental health in general is just is people connecting with people, um, understanding how they think, how they how they you know move through life was just really fascinating and drew me in. And then also I get to help people, which is yeah. super awesome. Yeah, and you're you're real new, Jessica. So what drew you to grad school mm-hmm. in in counseling? Yeah, um, I was um, in psychology in my undergrad experience. So uh, after about a year working out in the field, in the, um, I was working in kind of social services um, in a nonprofit agency. I found myself wanting to learn some more about how people interact with each other and how to be a partner along somebody's journey towards self-development. Um, and so I found myself applying for grad school um, so I could further hone in my skills and uh, be somebody who could be supportive to another person. Um, so that's what I get to do here. You know, what, what you both said that I think is really important that I want to underscore is that you're both drawn to it, like I was, for helping others. I mean, that's what we want to do. We're here to, to help folks. And, you know, one of the things that that I know that we've talked about in the past that we all see coming into the counseling center are kind of the, the three biggies. It's like, it reminds me of the Wizard of Oz, the lions and tigers and bears, mm-hmm. right? It's a, oh my. Um, yes. But it's it's depression, it's stress, it's anxiety. Oh my, right? These are the things. And, and sometimes they'll come in um, with other things that are showing up, like academic distress is usually something that students will present with. And then underneath that is the depression, the stress, and the anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I want to talk a little bit about that, and because I think that sometimes we throw around those words, especially anxiety, we throw that around in our culture a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that when, because I've had lots of uh, students who've come into my office who said, "Oh, I had a panic attack," and I'm like, "Okay." What does that mean to you? Mm. Because there's a clinical version of a panic attack, and then there's what we talk about when we, you know, are talking with our friends, yeah. right? So, so I want to get some ideas from y'all how you identify these three big things in folks. Like when you're talking with a student who comes in, well, let's just start with depression, okay? A student is coming in and they're worried that they might be depressed. How do we, how do we find out what's going on for them? And Teresa, I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think I think the most important thing to keep in mind is is what 
what the person is experiencing and how it's impacting their life. Like regardless of whether there's a clinical definition, they meet clinical criteria for major depression, we're really focusing on how it's impacting your life. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, we might ask for like very specific symptoms, like how is this showing up in your life? Like what are the things that you're noticing that kind of lead you to the conclusion that it's quote unquote depression? Um, and that usually gives us a good idea of like what's going on for you. Um, and then we can, you know, move from there. But it's really more about what is happening in your life right now that's not working. And let's have a conversation about that. Um, and that's a, that's a great point. I think, again, thinking about how we talk about depression, you know, with like our friends and stuff like that, it means that I'm sad. Mm. That's usually what that means. And that's not necessarily how it's going to show up. Yes, sometimes it does show up as being sad, but sometimes it could be, I'm not getting my homework done. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Jessica? When you think about um, depression, um, what kind of things are you helping students understand about depression? Mm -hmm. Yeah, depression can look so many different ways for different individuals. Um, that might sometimes look like I don't have the motivation to do my homework. That can even start to get even a little bit blurry in terms of differentiating from anxiety, which we might talk about later. Mm -hmm. um, but how you show up in terms of how you interact with others um, and kind of noticing what has changed for you is something that I talk um, a lot about with students. Sometimes that change on, comes on pretty fast, and for others, that change comes on pretty gradually. Yeah. Um, so getting to tease out the differences between what is this change and is it distressing to you is another really important factor to, to keep in mind here. I, I love that you said that. One of my favorite phrases that I use, and I borrow it uh, from, from Michael White. Some of you can Google him and read this more. But yeah, it's one of those things, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem, mm -hmm. right? A problem is only a problem when it's a problem. So um, you might have uh, need three days of staying in bed, and then you get out of bed and you're recharged. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean you have depression. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Even right. though that might be a sign of depression. It's like, oh, you spent three days in bed. What's wrong? Well, no, maybe you just needed to recharge, right? So that's a great point that it can it can look different for those different uh, folks. Mm. You know, the other thing about depression, I think, um, when we when we start seeing it with with students who are coming in and concerned they might have depression, is and you mentioned this, Jessica, is the way things have changed, right? Sometimes I think it's their friends. Who noticed that right or family members have, have noticed something like something has changed mm -hmm. yeah what can friends and family members say to somebody when they notice that something has changed oftentimes it's helpful to just like point out specific behaviors like mm -hmm. not assuming that your friend or family has depression or something like that be like but like hey I noticed you didn't show up for this particular event, or I didn't see you in class today, or I noticed you haven't really been eating, um, or I noticed you're, you know, you're sleeping a little bit differently, or so just kind of like naming maybe something that you see and just be curious about it. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, yeah. I really want to build off of that point, Teresa. Um, pointing out the specific behavior and approaching it in a caring and respectful way um, can be really helpful when somebody might be experiencing some um, some symptoms of depression. So to point it out, for example, I noticed that you didn't show up. 
Um, could we talk about maybe did something come up? Or um, do you want to talk about uh, if next time, yeah. if I could be supportive or helpful um, to help you get there, if that could be something helpful? But yeah, that was a really great point. I think, Jessica, that's a really great point also about the fact that, you know, it doesn't always necessarily mean that you have to come to the counseling center, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes reaching out to a friend and getting that support is actually what you need to get over that hump, right? And some folks can experience depression, you know, for years, and some people it's just like a blip, right? Mm -hmm. And it can change, but but it's it's knowing the difference between the two. Yeah, mostly like the impact is really important. Um, so yeah, some people need three days to recharge and then they're fine. Yeah. Other people kind of fly under the radar, which is kind of this like low grade sense of like things aren't quite right. And so, um, yeah, identifying the impact like is is really helpful. Let's shift gears into anxiety here because um, I I, <laughs> I love talking about anxiety, but I but I really do because um, you know I some folks know this I you know I worked in the media for a very long time before I became a counselor, and so I would do a radio show Monday through Friday for five hours a day, and people would say, "Oh, how do you do that? You just seem so calm and cool." And I'm like, "You don't understand. I thought I was going to throw up every morning before I started the show, right?" Just because you're not showing anxiety does not mean you're not experiencing anxiety, right? Sure, yeah. and, and, and I think that knowing that, that you might look cool and calm on the outside and you just feel like, ooh, I'm about ready to spin out of my body right now, mm -hmm. right? And, and normalizing that is okay. Oh, yeah. We, Absolutely. all of us have capacity to experience anxiety and depression and all these things. We are all human, yeah. for sure. Like, um that's a good point. And how, how we present is not always the same as how we feel inside. Right. 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 So how do you know when you've got anxiety that's getting in the way? Um, what I see a lot of times is that um, anxiety can get in the way of even getting started with things that are on the to-do list, on your assignments list. Um, anxiety can even get in the way of, do I even want to show up to a club meeting? Yeah. Do I want to face the anxiety of meeting new people on a new campus um, in a new kind of social niche or interest that I would like to get involved in? But gosh, d different factors that might be getting in the way, like anxiety of meeting other people, yeah. or I just don't know what's going to come out of this experience. Mm -hmm. Anxiety can totally get in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah, and anxiety can show up like physically, like feeling sweaty or your heart is starting to raise. Um, it, it can also show up in like patterns of thinking. So always in the like the what ifs, you know, kind of questions that you ask yourself or or constant worry about things or second guessing yourself or, or just feeling completely overwhelmed and not even knowing where to start. Um, so it shows up in a lot of different ways for a, for a lot of different people. And, you know, the best way to get a sense for, am I experiencing this? And is it impacting me in a negative way? I think it's a really good distinction to make because there's some level of anxiety that's important and motivating for everybody. Mm -hmm. But then there's the anxiety that goes beyond that and it becomes like um, debilitating. And so, you know, you can feel that difference. That's a qualitative difference that you have. Mm -hmm. And really, you're the one who's going to know the best whether it's getting in your way or not. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, being 
Yeah, I always like to bring in mindfulness to everything. Like when you're mindful of like what's going on with your body, what's going on in, you know, in your thought patterns and stuff like that, the easier it is to identify these things. And, you know, if you if you don't know how to do that, that's a good reason to come in, you know, to, for counseling, be like, how do I just start in that process? Um, but also just like relying on your own um, like strategies that, that have worked for you, like reaching out to friends and family and stuff like that or you know, taking a deep breath before you have to give that presentation. That can be really um, anxiety provoking. Um, yeah. I, so a couple things you said there. The first thing is that anxiety can be motivating, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's an important thing to point out because we all have the butterflies. It's just, you want to make sure you get the butterflies to fly in formation. <laughs> so they're all going the same direction and yeah. they're usable, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's a really great point. Um, I think the other thing um, that you mentioned was about how you know, when it becomes, um, it, it like gets in your way, mm -hmm. right? And and I think that um, it's a little bit like we were talking about depression just a moment ago, right? <laughs> sometimes it's a problem, sometimes it's not, yes, right? Yeah. And only you can make that decision. When it does get in the way and it becomes an issue, and you mentioned this briefly, Teresa, is uh, mindfulness is something that we talk a lot about. Now, I know before I became a counselor, what I thought mindfulness was, was I had to do yoga and I had to sit in a corner and I had to meditate and light candles. And that was not me. Mm -mm. It's not a lot of people. It's, it's not okay. A lot of people. No, no, <laughs> it's okay. Not that it's bad. I mean, if, that, if that's your jam, whatever mm -hmm. works, works. How would you, Jessica, I'm going to start with you. How would you describe what mindfulness even is to somebody? Yeah. Mindfulness can be even as simple as paying attention to what you're doing in that moment. So things like when you're walking to class on this campus, what kinds of things can you spot in your environment that maybe are the same as usual, maybe they're different? Do you notice the temperature of how it is outside on a chilly fall day like today um, or how warm it can be in the summer? Can you notice um, the different kinds of noise levels going on. So mindfulness can, for me, can really mean something as simple as paying attention to your surroundings, um, as well as how you're feeling in yourself during that time as well. How do I respond to the temperature outside, for example? How do I respond to the amount of noise that's going on around me? One of the things that I think can get in the way of that is judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. How do you deal with that when you're like, oh, I should be feeling a certain way? Oh, the tyranny of the shoulds. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people experience that. That's something that's really ingrained in us, um, in our culture. Just like there are things that you should be doing. Um, and yeah, non-judgment is a really important key to um, any kind of mindfulness. Um, mm -hmm. And mindfulness, so really what it then becomes is just like present awareness without judgment, which is often easier said than done uh, in a lot of ways. And we're so practiced of like judging things and shitting yeah. things and all that kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and like, so it can be really hard to make that shift. And so oftentimes mm, leading with curiosity um, can be really helpful. Like, for example, instead of, you know, saying like, I have, I'm feeling sweaty or I have butterflies in my stomach and that's bad. Just being like, hmm, I have butterflies in my stomach. Just naming it mm -hmm. and just leaving it just there. Like you don't have to go any further. Mm -hmm. And that there is practicing mindfulness. 
you know, since I did start off this uh, discussion today talking about panic attacks, I want to, I do want to circle back to that since we are talking about anxiety. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I sometimes will have students who will ask me if they think I had a, they had a panic attack and they'll describe what the symptoms are. And I don't know if y'all have had a panic attack. I've had a few and you know, when they're happening, <laughs> that is one thing I can definitely tell you is there's a sense of, um, like what anxiety feels like when you're nervous, you're sweating, you know, you're feeling all the things. Panic attack, I, the way I described it was I felt like I was having a heart attack. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I wasn't, and it passed, but that's what it felt like for me. How would you describe what a panic attack feels like so people know if they're actually experiencing that or not? I've, for some might describe kind of like pressure. Mm. Um, somewhere in your bodies. For a lot of people, that's pressure in the chest. can feel like it's really hard to breathe. Um, like your chest cavity might not expand the way that it usually does when you're breathing. So that makes it really hard to take in a full breath. Um, so that's one of the things that um, that physical sensation of a panic attack might be described as. And oftentimes too, the difference between kind of like panic and anxiety Anxiety, there's usually a known cause or a reason. Like you can connect it to, mm -hmm. I have a presentation and I'm starting to feel some things as the time gets a lot closer. A panic attack is usually something that is comes out of nowhere, not really connected to anything really obvious. Mm -hmm. And in, in a lot of ways that makes it can feel even more overwhelming because you don't know where it's coming from right. and it's just there. Um, so what do you do about it, you know, kind of thing. Whereas anxiety, um, you know, there's, uh, yeah, it's, it's usually connected to something um, specific. That's a great point. And, and, and back to my own personal story, I will share that. That's, that's exactly what I experienced. I was sitting watching a baseball game, and all of a sudden I thought, oh, I'm dying. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the emergency room because yeah. I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah. And my doctor was so wonderful, he came to me and said, ah, I think you're gonna be okay, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think just having that comforting presence around me at the time, mm -hmm. just to say, you're, you're, gonna be, you're gonna make it through this because it will pass, right? Mm -hmm. um, anxiety will hit a certain peak and it's gonna come down, mm -hmm. it will. And, and you just gotta learn how to make it through those moments when they hit. That's really the big challenge. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's move on to the third of the big monsters, stress. Now, there is a certain amount of stress that everybody's going to experience who's listening to this if they are a college student. College is designed to create <laughs> yeah. stress. I hate to tell you, right? How do we help students manage stress? I do want to reiterate here that um, as we talk about stress, of course, college students experience stress in many different ways. Um, and very similarly, like how Teresa talked about a certain level of anxiety it can be motivating. The same thing goes for stress. A certain level of stress motivates us to finish things by deadlines, to make it to places on time, um, to show up where we need to show up. Um, and then there's a level of stress that's too high and becomes overwhelming and can cause us to feel pretty disorganized. Um, it could even feel so overwhelming that you are almost frozen um, and can't move forward on those things. So bottom line here, we do want to just reiterate that stress 
some stress is good. Yeah. And there's an optimal level of stress. And then there's levels of stress that are just too high. Well, that's a great point. How do we know when it hits that point where it's too high? Mm-hmm. Different. It's, again, going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it comes down to um, the way I like to think about it is, like, are you moving in the direction you want your life to be going? Mm-hmm. If the answer to that question is either a, an outright no or like a, I don't know like that's even even that's an indication that like hey something might might be here that that's worth taking a look at um yeah I don't know if I spent a lot of time differentiating stress and anxiety a lot of times people use that very very interchangeably um but I like to think of the difference of stress um it's kind of like all those peripheral things that just kind of like add up in your life whether that's mm-hmm. Finances are really difficult. Um, maybe you're a, a student parent, um, and so finding childcare is almost impossible. Or, or there's family concerns at home, like maybe um, you know a parent is ill, or you're you're taking care of siblings, or, or something like that. Or, or there's a health concern for you or somebody else, and um, you know stress is kind of just like the, the the accumulation of all the little things in your life that you end up having to deal with. Um, that just, I don't want to say this, like important things, but like that, that add up and accumulate, you know, over time and take a lot of energy um, that then make it more difficult for you to pursue things, say like finishing your classwork or, or, you know, that kind of stuff. Stress can be good stuff. Yeah. Right. If you start a new relationship, that can be stressful. Yes. Oh, right? For sure. right. Good stuff can be stressful. So, so taking kind of the the boogeyman out of that a little bit, mm-hmm. right, and saying that you're going to experience stress regardless of what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, when it becomes unmanageable, that's when you turn to other things. So, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about some of the more concrete stuff because I think often when when students come to the counseling center, that's what they really want. They want to what's the what's the fix. Mm. Right. And, and, and it's usually not a quick answer. Right. Mm. But there are a quick a few things that I think about. You know, we talked about mindfulness. Um, yeah. You know, the other thing that comes to my mind is exercise. Mm-hmm. And that could look that's it, it doesn't mean you have to become like a triathlete. No, yeah, that's not no, what we're no. talking about. <laughs> not at all. No. Right. So even just you know, stretching, standing up and stretching your body mm-hmm. um, moving your fingers I mean any that's exercise moving mm-hmm. movement is exercise mm-hmm. right. what other tips and tricks do y'all incorporate for stress management my favorite mm-hmm. is sleep I know I know we're talking to college students <laughs> and that seems like an impossibility and there isn't time in the day for it um, but sleep if you can if you can get enough sleep, chances are things will be a little bit easier the next day. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great point. Yeah, and to add quality sleep to that is super important. I know in a um, college and campus culture of we've got to go grind through all of our things, um, finish every task, get involved with every extracurricular that we can to boost up our resumes sacrificing our sleep then can really get in the way 
of managing that stress once it starts to pile up. Um, and another thing I'll add as well in terms of managing stress is, um, is our social supports. Um, mm-hmm. It's another one of those things. How do I balance my time to make sure that I have time for my friends? Um, that's something that um, staying connected with friends can be really helpful um, in times of stress as well to recognize that you're not the only one experiencing that stress. Um, and to, uh, to learn from others as well, how they might manage their stress as well. Um, so by getting connected with others, we might start to kind of learn like, okay, might maybe some activities um, that have to do with exercise, mindfulness, um, can look different for different people. Yeah. How about I try that on? And if that doesn't work, that's okay. I can try something mm-hmm. else. You know, one of the things I also want to touch on briefly is um, alcohol and cannabis. Right, mm-hmm. because often we will look at those things as ways to alleviate stress. Right, it's like, oh, I'm gonna kick back and I'm gonna have a beer after class or whatever. Right, mm-hmm. and I think, and I, I, I'm, I'm curious what your take is on this also. But sometimes those things can also have a counterproductive effect and interfere with things like sleep and social functioning, mm-hmm. right? The two things that you're both talking about, right? Um, how do you t- have those conversations with folks? Yeah, I bring a lot of things back to mindfulness and just, you know, being very clear about, you know, why you're making a particular choice, right? Um, and what purpose is it serving you? And is it meant to serve you in the short term or the long term? I think that's some t- something to be really kind of mindful of. Because in the short term, maybe you you know use cannabis to relax or something like that. But over time, the effects you know kind of build up and, and things start shifting. And you look back and you're like, ooh, like I'm not sure this is like a long term solution for me. And so just being really intentional about kind of the stress management strategies you have and asking yourself, you know, one question that I bring up all the time, like, is this working for me? And it's important to be really honest and truthful in that. Um, And also recognizing that there are times when certain strategies just need to be used right now and we'll deal with some stuff later. Um, But the more often you can bring in that kind of awareness of why you're choosing to de-stress in this particular way and then reflecting on it being like was that did that actually serve me in in the best way um sometimes the answer is like yep i need it in that moment and sometimes the answer is like you know what that actually caused more problems for me down the road so maybe next time i'm going to choose a different option um i would add in also just having the honest conversation about um about alcohol and cannabis use can give us some insight into how does one cope with stress, anxiety, depression? Um, Is it being used in moderation? Is it being used to kind of dampen those feelings, those negative feelings that we're experiencing? Um, And kind of that gives us some indication then of, okay, maybe the use of alcohol or cannabis is um, 
can be used in some in some circumstances and then others it might not be as helpful yeah, yeah. might make things feel worse yeah. in the aftermath of it um for example we might think sometimes having a bit of alcohol might make me feel sleepy sometimes it doesn't quite happen that way and sometimes it can even interrupt our sleep yeah um, and so kind of circling back into how precious and how helpful sleep can be, there is a very delicate balance that we kind of hang between with um, the use of substances and how we cope with um, when things get pretty hard, um, whether it's with or without. That's a great point. So I want, I want to wrap things up here. Some people call it self-care. Some people call it wellness, self-wellness, whatever it is, right? Ways to... Um, feel better, right? And so I want to ask you each individually what you do for self-care or wellness, okay? So be thinking about that. I'll go ahead and start. Okay. For me, it's music, okay? When I am in my car, I roll up the windows and I turn it up as loud as I possibly can, okay? For me, that's that's how I get my, my endorphins and my body popping so that I feel better. I need that release, right? Sometimes it's me singing along with it. And if you, so if you hear somebody singing loudly off key on campus, that's probably coming from my office, right? But for me, that's, that's what I need. That's my self-care and my wellness. So Teresa, I'll go to you. What do you do? Yeah, my self-care in an idealized world is like melting chocolate in a double boiler on the stove, right? That idea of like slowing down. Like I know for myself, I tend to be go, 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 moving on to the next thing. And so when I kind of realize like, oh, things are getting to be too much, um, that's I've kind of learned over time that that's my cue to like slow down. Yeah. And so, you know, making a catastrophe in my kitchen and, <laughs> and baking something or something like that, but just like just enjoying a process that has me slow down, yeah. right? You can't speed things up right you'll burn the chocolate if you don't do it the right way right so um yeah for me it's slowing down and if it involves chocolate so much the better <laughs> jessica how about you yeah for me um uh, kind of similarly to you randy i blast my music when i can um especially in the car so if you see me kind of dancing at a red light <laughs> You kind of know what's going on inside the car. Um, and I also enjoy dancing as well. Um, just getting to learn some type of choreography um, and feel um, feel that movement, kind of that like release, whether it's a really high speed, um, um, like a high speed, high intensity choreography or something that's a little bit more slowed down. It really, um, it really just depends on what kind of music I'm feeling that day. Music, chocolate, and dancing. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sounds like a great antidote. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. Thank you both for talking with me today. Yeah, thank my you pleasure. for having Thank you, Randy. If you think that depression, anxiety, stress, or maybe something else is getting in the way of you living the life you want to live, reach out to the UW Bothell Counseling Center for support. That's why we're here. Contact information is in the description of this week's show. My name is Randy Scott, and until next time, you got this. The Crow's Nest Podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests on the show. 
The content and views do not necessarily represent the views of the University of Washington. The content on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute advice or services. Because every person is unique, make sure you consult with a professional about your specific questions and individual health care needs. If you need immediate mental health support, call 988. Visit 988lifeline.org or access care anytime using the My SSP app.